We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The score! score! Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now is a man who's got a massive brain. Mike Florio. He used to be a lawyer, then he decided to take his talents to the internet. NBC Sports. I'm sorry I'm late. I was talking to Robert Kraft. Pro Football Talk. I wouldn't listen to some of those people out there, especially guys like Mike Florio. Mike Florio with Bernstein, Holmes, and Rahimi on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. This hour is brought to you by Cars for Kids. Call 1-877-CARS-WITH-A-K, the numeral 4KIDS. And Mike Florio is on the score hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Mike, there are some who believe this is indeed the best weekend of NFL football from start to finish that we get without all of the the silliness and bloat and absurdity. We should just get two really good football games. Yeah, and, you know, division around weekend, many say, is the best, but didn't deliver the way that we thought it would. Not all the games were as good as maybe they could have been, especially that Eagles-Giants game. But now we're down to the best four teams. These are the best four right now. The Bills had a lot of hype. The Bills didn't live up to it. The Bengals proved that it was hype. Bengals-Chiefs, Eagles-49ers, it should be a great, great Sunday and and hopefully the games will be close, hopefully they'll be exciting, and hopefully the two best teams will make it, and both teams in each conference get a chance to prove that they are the best. Pro Football Talk has been ahead of this, Mike, a little bit. The concept that the NFL wants neutral site championship games. What can you tell us about that and how it's developed in the last week or so? Well, I remember on the afternoon, it was a Friday, the Friday after the Week 17 Bills-Bengals game was postponed then canceled that the league held a vote of the owners as to what to do about that the the fact that they I mean, they already had a rule on the books for dealing with it if a game's canceled you decide everything based upon winning percentage they came up with this alternative concept that involved neutral AFC championship game, goofy ass, nonsensical coin toss to determine home field for a wild card game between the Ravens and Bengals. And the the moment they embraced neutral site, I thought, man, this may be something that they, they think about trying to do. And when they picked Atlanta, a dome and Atlanta was the third choice behind Indy, a dome and Detroit, a dome, that game should have been played outdoors. if It was going to happen. Bills and Chiefs, because both teams play outdoors in an area where weather can be a factor. And we saw that weather was a factor in both games, really. And not that it 
determine anything, but there was weather in both games. Once they picked Atlanta, that's when I thought, this is just a test run. They want to see what this looks like. And when they touted last Friday the sale of 50,000 tickets in 24 hours, half to uh, Chiefs fans, half to Bills fans, that's when I thought, they're telling us without really telling us that this is what they're going to do. And I mobilized at that point, started making some calls and talking to people, and it was very clear to me after – not spending a whole lot of time on it. It's not like I had to put someone under the hot light. Folks talked fairly freely about the fact that forces within the league want neutral site championship games. They want that big game college vibe where you've got half the stadium in one school's colors, the other half in the other school's colors. You get the great reaction shots to everything that happens because every time it's good for one team, it's bad for the other. So sad Chiefs fan reaction, sad Bills fan reaction, happy Bills fan reaction, happy Chiefs fan reaction. I think that it's something they want to do. And people say, well, how do they make more money off of that? You make it like the Super Bowl. You you have cities bid for it. You get all sorts of other stuff because the cities are getting a bunch of hotel rooms filled up. They're getting a bunch of money pumped into the restaurants and bars and tax base and all that. So Super Bowl light is what the arrangement would be. And and I think that the the mere fact that they – thump their chests about all those tickets being sold. It puts it in play as soon as next year. Not that they can get enough support by next year. Lamar Hunt, the Chiefs founder, was pushing it during his lifetime multiple times, and it never passed. But I think now they may think they have a chance to try to push it through. How concerned is Kansas City about the ankle of Patrick Mahomes? Well, they're concerned. They need to be concerned. The question isn't whether or not he'll play. We saw him play with it last week. They'll get him ready to play. They'll do what they have to do to get him out there on the field. But it takes away that hair-on-fire quality he has where he just runs around until something happens. And he explained to me after their win over the Texans where he had like this cross-body hook shot throw at the end of the first half that he just goes into panic mode, and that's when those things happen. Now he understands what he physically can do. We see too many athletes, when they get into that mode where they're just trying to make a play, they do something or try to do something beyond that which they can do. Mahomes can always do it. The problem on Sunday for him is going to be he's not even going to have the luxury of trying to do it. And I think back to Super Bowl 55, he had turf toe, and he still tried to do the things he always does, but he was just slow enough that they were tracking him down and disrupting him. This time he's just going to have to be a pocket passer. He's, he's going to have to minimize what he does moving. He's going to have to rely on his arm. He doesn't need to have a strong base on the ground to get a lot on the ball because of his shortstop days. He can throw from every arm angle. You know, he told me years ago, when you play shortstop, there's no form. You just get rid of the ball as quickly as you can, and you get it to the first baseman as fast as possible. And and so we're going to see him play like that. And, you know, Mahomes with those limitations is still among the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But it's definitely a difference. When the Bengals have beaten 100% Mahomes three times in a row, it makes it a little easier for the Bengals if they're facing a diminished Patrick Mahomes. Which coaching decision will catalyze the coaching market right now? Is it Sean Payton making a call? Is it Dan Quinn? And how, knowing which quarterback is where, how are these decisions getting made? Well, Sean Payton is the one that kind of ties it all together. Once he makes a decision, then the other teams that don't get him will know that they can move forward. Now, there's a chance he goes to none of these teams. We reported a week and a half ago it's 50-50 that he comes back 
in 2023 or waits until next year. I always hate 50-50 because you could say anything's 50-50, but I was told reliably by someone in the know it's 50-50. He had to go through the interview process. And one of the realities, the four teams considering him, every team is considering him except the Colts, Texans, Cardinals, Broncos, Panthers, they all have entrenched general managers who are going to naturally protect their turf, protect their influence, protect their jobs. If they have any say whatsoever, they're going to find, whether they realize it or not, I just think it's human nature. Because you know Champagne's going to come in and want to take over. So you're going to be inclined to tout the the candidates that may not come in and try to take it over. And the easiest thing to say is, look at what we have to give up to the Saints to get this guy. Is it worth giving up draft picks? And, you know, others would say, yes, it is worth it. Because once you have a truly great head coach, that gives you something that, number one, not many teams have. And number two, someone explained this to me over the weekend. When you know that your coach is great, it allows you not to worry about whether or not your coach is good enough. And there's a liberation to that. Because then when your team's struggling – You don't have to sit around wondering, is it the coach? You know it's not the coach. It's something else, so you focus on the something else, and you fix the something else, and then you get great results. And, you know, there aren't a lot of guys out there where you just point to it and say, this guy's going to show up, he's going to bust his ass, he's going to be creative, he's going to stay ahead of the curve, he's going to do what he has to do to win. Peyton is in that category, but I'm not sure he's going to take any of those jobs. But that would obviously be the first domino. If he takes a job, then the other teams know we better move on to plan B or whatever our plan is with Sean Payton out of the mix. I think it's worth some sort of discussion if we're going to talk about coaching decisions to A, point out what absolutely was maybe the worst play design in the NFL this year (laughs) by Kellen Moore at the end of that Cowboys and 49ers game. And I don't think Zeke deserves enough. He hasn't got enough credit for at least having a clean snap. But also the fact that somehow he's in the mix potentially for the Panthers decision after that trash. And by the way, the last time the Cowboys went to a NFC championship game, it was the 1995 season playoffs. There were 26 NFC championship games since the merger from 1970 through 1995. The Cowboys played in 14 of them. Since then, 27 NFC Championship games, the Cowboys have played in zero. That's just amazing. And I never would have dreamed if you'd told me on January 14, 1996, when they qualify for Super Bowl 30, it's the last time they were going to have the chance to qualify for a Super Bowl. I never, ever, ever would have believed it. I would have bet a hell of a lot of money, and I don't bet. I would have bet a hell of a lot of money that that proposition was inaccurate. But I don't know that Moore's the one to blame because when you have an offensive head coach, you don't know who's the one coming up with those plays, and it's a failure. It's a coaching failure, just like last year against the 49ers. The idea to run the quarterback draw that was poorly executed, poorly conceived from the standpoint of not factoring in that the umpire had to teleport through the quarterback and the center to get to the ball, touch it, reset it, so it could be spiked, so there'd be a chance to throw a 30-yard or so pass to the end zone instead of a Hail Mary. This time around, instead of a Hail Mary, and they were 76 yards away. That's a long Hail Mary. Out comes Zeke to play center. And at first I thought, you know, I'm kind of intrigued by this because if you're going to do a Stanford band play, why not have as many skill position players as possible on the field. Get rid of all the offensive linemen. Have 11 running backs, receivers, and tight ends and start playing your hot potato game. And uh, it was hilarious to me how the 49ers 
wanted to have none of it. I've never seen a Stanford band play fail so quickly and so decisively. And I don't know what Cavante Turpin was going to do with the ball. Maybe he was going to flip it to Zeke. Maybe they didn't Maybe they didn't account for the fact that Zeke was going to be put on his ass. But, you know, one of the things, too, that and, and Dak Prescott need, needs some of the criticism for this, he, he threw a ball that forced Cavante Turpin to jump up and get it. So it's not a clean throw. So by the time Turpin even began to think about collecting himself to pitch the ball, Jimmy Ward was on top of him with a perfect form tackle, and just that was it. Somebody compared it to... And I wish I had thought of this, and I can't remember who it was. It was somebody on Twitter who said it was like the moment in the original Raiders of the Lost Ark movie. Yes, Indiana somebody Jones texted movie, that to us. Where, Someone, where the, yes. Where, yeah, the guy's doing all the stuff with the sword, and he just pulls out the gun and says, boom, that's it, done. That's <laughs> what the 49ers did. They were Indiana Jones in that moment. There was this big buildup by the Cowboys, yep. and it just pff, fell flat. Yep, the, the, the crazy scimitar-wielding villain, and he rolls his <laughs> eyes and caps him. <laughs> yes, someone actually texted that to us, too, with that same observation. Mike, which uh, old, great, weird quarterback do you want to start with here? Because both Tom Brady and uh, Aaron Rodgers are, of course, in the news based on what they might do and what they can do and who holds what power. Well, Brady's simple from my perspective. I was stunned by that tantrum that he threw in his own podcast at Jim Gray, who didn't even ask the question that Brady responded to. Brady acted as if he was asked, what are you going to do next year? I want to know right now. All Jim Gray said is, do you have a timetable? And that's when if I knew what I was effing going to do, I'd effing do it. I think what Brady's trying to do is completely cover up in advance any chatter regarding tampering. And we know tampering is going to happen because it's happened with him in the past. It happened with him last year in the Dolphins. Even when he wasn't a free agent or about to be a free agent. He was under contract with the Buccaneers. He had a gig lined up with the Dolphins. The Buccaneers tampered with him in 2020 before he technically became a free agent and was able to talk to the Buccaneers. He's going to talk to teams. Teams are going to talk to him. They're not supposed to, but it's going to happen. And he's going to figure out where he can possibly go. And he has to have a team that wants him. There may be no team that he wants to play for that wants him. The 49ers have told him no multiple times in the past. And I think the only way the 49ers are even remotely interested this year, because I think they at least have it on the radar screen, Brock Purdy's going to have to melt down in the championship game, enough to make them think that it's easy to justify having him take a backseat to Tom Brady for a year while Brady tries to take the team he rooted for growing up to a Super Bowl and win it. So I, and, and again, I don't know where that goes. I don't know how that plays out. Chris Sims had a great suggestion yesterday that I hadn't thought of, Tom Brady to the Lions, and wouldn't that be something if they kick Jared Goff to the curb and go all in with Tom Brady? I, uh, I feel, it, like, it I feel it, like Jared Goff was better than Tom Brady this year. Yeah. Well, Brady's still got the ability to lead a team to to greatness and to make big throws in big spots if you have enough good players around you. Jared Goff, he's a guy who... We saw it in Super Bowl 53, Brandon Cooks wide open. Same play. They did it in the first half. They did it in the second half. And when they did it in the second half, he was wide open. He saw him too late. One of the McCourties got over to the ball. I think it was Jason and broke it up. And, and that, that was a championship throw that Jared Goff couldn't make and didn't make. And, you know, even though Goff played well this year in the regular season, haven't we seen this dichotomy between quarterback who plays well in the regular season but doesn't step up in the clutch moment in the playoffs, whether it's Kirk Cousins or Goff or Jimmy Garoppolo on one hand or Joe Burrow, Tom Brady on the other, the guy that makes the big throw in the big spot with the season on the line. And, and also, 
here's the reality with Tom Brady. You sell every ticket to every game. You get five, six primetime games. You get 425 p.m. Eastern games that have bigger ratings now in most weeks than any of the primetime games. That, that's, that's something that makes you a relevant team where you make a lot of money. And that's a business consideration that teams don't wear on their sleeves, but I guarantee you it's part of the calculus as to whether or not you want Tom Brady as the quarterback of your franchise. Do you make anything about Jerry Jones not doing his radio show? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Because this idea, and I think it was speculated by the host, well, you know, they've got all but four of their contracts, all, their co- all but four of their coaches have their contracts expire, so maybe they're busy. I mean, it's 15 minutes. When has Jerry Jones ever turned down 15 minutes to talk about his team? So I, Jones is the kind of guy who will completely and totally and unconditionally support his coach until the moment that he no longer does. So it doesn't surprise me that after the game he said that how the game ended changes nothing about what he thinks of Mike McCarthy because the bottom line is this. This may be your last chance to get Sean Payton. Once he takes another job, you're never getting him. And four years ago, they tried to get him, and they almost got him. So, you know, it's speak now or forever hold your peace, possibly for Jerry Jones. Now, if Payton's not going to take a job this cycle, then he's got one more year, and maybe it'll be Payton next year if McCarthy doesn't take the team far enough. But just like with quarterbacks, there are certain coaches who will take you over the top and some who will just take you to the round of eight or the wild card round or whatever the case may be. And uh, this is something I say about Vikings ownership all the time. For them, it seems like just good enough is just good enough. And for some owners, just good enough isn't good enough. And if you're, if you're on the porch lingering around the door but you're not able to kick it in, you're at risk of the team hiring someone who will. Jerry let him walk out the door, though, too, to the Saints. So I'm still bitter. Well, but yeah, he had Parcells at the time. I mean, that's the problem. At least they didn't trade Romo to Peyton. Peyton wanted Romo after he got the Saints job, and Parcells told him no way in hell, and they ended up with Breeze with 20-plus studs in his shoulder, and it ended up working out pretty well. People worry about, well, what's Sean Peyton going to do for a quarterback? Well, last time he didn't know what he was going to do for a quarterback, and it worked out pretty well. All right, Mike Florio, next time we talk, we will know the Super Bowl combatants, so look forward to that. Thank you for not asking me who they're going to be because uh, I I still don't know who I, why what I don't know I think I really do think it's going to be the Eagles and the Bengals but I, I I just I don't know I really don't know let the record show I did not ask you well let the record say I went ahead and answered there, anyway. there it is. <laughs> Mike Florio thank you Bye. we talk weekly I disagree with him vehemently about the and I never want to be in a position to defend Jared Goff but. Jared Goff was really good the last was, half of the season. He was really good last year, and I just watched Brady and Dan, in the game against Dallas. It isn't just that. That vibe that you have there, everything you got it's, with it. It's already it's, going. It, and you've, you you wreck the whole personality mix Correct. If, you, if you drop that in there. You know Correct. what else? I agree with him. Birds and bangles. Let's do it! I'm fine. I'm fine with it. Although I, I do think people are – like the betting market has been really interesting on that game – I want to say it opened KC minus two and a half, and now it's it, it gone all the way to Cincy minus two and a half. I think people are selling Patrick Mahomes short. I just don't. Yeah, they don't know about his ankle. But, Doesn't matter. But you guys know how I felt about the Bengals. Need I remind you of my happy place, the Bengals algorithm on Twitter? That's right, your people. Bengals Twitter is a lot happier of a place, and then they started 0-2, and I was like, whoa, are my instincts incorrect? And then you know what happened? My instincts were like, no, you weren't incorrect. It just took a little while for us to come around, and now we're here. Well, that defense in Joe Burrow, I get it. Like, it's, it's, and, and they've won what, three games against 
Kansas City in the calendar year, two of which have been in Kansas City. So I understand why people are on it. I'm just saying that, oh, well, Patrick Mahomes, I guess he'll have to throw from the pocket. He threw for 5,200 yards this year. We had a lot to say about Eloy Jimenez's comments yesterday. Well, Ozzie Guillen always has a lot to say about everything. And he was on with Mulligan Haw this morning, and he had some pointed response to Eloy's desire to play the outfield. So let's hear from him and discuss next. It is Bernstein and Holmes. Layla Rahimi is here today on The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. What's been the way that other teams have attacked the White Sox lineup? Well, the White Sox are not very good at hitting heat from right-handed pitchers and spin. That's pretty much it. That's all. So stuff. Fastball, slider. They've got a problem with stuff. But if you can't hit fastballs. Eloy Jimenez last year against right-handed pitchers that threw 94 or faster hit 200 with a 273 on base percentage and slugged 300. While he wants to play in the outfield and he's working really hard at that, my recommendation to Aloy Jimenez is get into a batting cage and start swinging at pitches, throwing at you at 95 or faster because you can't hit heat. But Mike, if they... The data doesn't lie, Aloy. If they can't hit fastballs... Well... That set Lawrence into a spiral of White Sox despair. And it was just data. Basically, the currency of modern Major League Baseball is velocity and spin. And the White Sox are can't handle it. That's that's everything in baseball. That's literally everything. Those are the only things that matter when you're pitching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, accuracy. But yeah. fast fastballs from right-handers. Seem to be a lot of those in Major League Baseball. And spin. Right. What, but, but, but against knuckleballers. Now you're you're talking 
Bafo offense. Now they got a chance. You know what else he uh, he failed to add, which is true, and that one Royals pitcher who bothers you for a season, but then is fine the next year against the Sox. There's always one. There's all, and it's always a Royal side chin come out there, shut you down for forever. Well, there and he was, throws a slider. There was there was Bruce Chen. Don't forget what Joe Mays of the Twins did to bedevil the White Sox forever, and no other team. Only the White Sox. Like every time that I, you could hear it in Hawk's voice when Bruce Chen would be in the weekend lineup against the White Sox. Like, oh, here we go with this guy. Also, Diane Viscaino, right? <laughs> I think it, you know, what happens. You just knew. You just knew. Oh, what's, what's old Cy Chen going to do? Six and two thirds, three hits, one run. Is he going to top 83? No. Nope. No, nope. no, not the entire time. Nope. Not going to break a plate. But what he is going to do is get White Sox hitters out, and they're all going to be looking at their bats like, how are we not killing this guy? I feel like every team has that person, by the way. There's no doubt. Who was it for the Rangers when you were growing up? Who was the, who was the, who was the killer of the Rangers? Tim Salmon. There it is. Well, you just know. You just know. It obviously is a hitter, but I mean every pitcher. I mean, I got, I got. There a list. was no, there was no, like there were pitchers, but it was like Hudson, Mulder, Zito. That's your magic combo. I mean, show me what a guru, guru Billy Bean is on Hudson, Mulder, and Zito on the roster. The guy, the guys they, are yeah, on they my were list. Only amazing. Whenever it comes to White Sox killers, and I know that he's a great player, but Joe F. Mauer, like. It just like even now I'm I'm getting mad about. I thought you were going to say Joe Randa. Well, yeah, Joe Randa is one of those guys too. Mike Sweeney, like there's a lot of them, but with Maurer, you knew what he was going to do, and he still did it. I'm just going to flip this ball to left field. I'm just going to flip this ball to the left field wall. That's all I'm going to do. I'm going to play pepper with the left field wall, and there's nothing the White Sox could do about it. Also, Joe F. Maurer is he a Hall of Famer? Well, he probably Yeah, Dan, that's the face. Hmm. Well, I yeah. mean, in, in these days and times, right? Since no one's getting in. No, I'm good Todd with Todd Helton should be in. Maybe he I'm good with Scott Rowland being in, and I love that video in his parents' kitchen. Yeah, he's telling he's, them. Awesome. He's, oh, he's a so little great. short, 50 55.2 war, but an OPS plus of 124 and an OPS of 827. Mauer? Yeah, even with a career 306 batting average, which is, you know, 388 career on base. Ooh. And let me torture myself by looking at his career splits. Don't do that. Wait, while you're doing that. This I, is the most you've embraced a Minnesota twin in a while. I hate him. So <laughs> Eloy is ready to play outfield. He says he's preparing to be the everyday right fielder. And Ozzy Guillen, I think, sides with us and kind of saying, eh, not so fast. I respect his opinion. I do because still young. He don't want to have the the age guy for the rest of his career. But then the value when you play the the, the field is obviously it's a little bit more money and more value for the ball club. I think the White Sox should just stop and say, you know what, kid, you got to be the the age. This uh, soap opera is been on and on for the last three years. I hope this kid understand that I'm really, I truly understand his point. I do. I truly understand his point. But in the meanwhile, uh, when you talk about uh, we care about winning, we care about this, you see, that's an easy example. Players always put themselves self, the self before 
including myself, I play baseball. I included myself. We put ourselves before we put the ball club, and that's something we have, they have. You know, people have to deal day in and day out. But I think this ball club is better with him in the, the DH spot. Yes, agreed. We're all in agreement, right? Yes, but here I want to ask you this. Okay, is it possible that he just likes his job and he just wants to play the outfield? Maybe he wants to get better. I got no problem with this. Like, I know it's an odd it's, question. It's but fine if it's left. I, you can do that, or if it's once a week. I think he actually genuinely likes his job and wants to play in the outfield. I'm I am okay with him continuing to work to be an outfielder as long that he knows that the plan is for him to not be an everyday outfielder and that the concentration has to be on him being there the middle of the lineup power bat that the White Sox desperately need. It's Is there an unspoken ulterior motive to give him the outfield practice carrot? Yeah, I, I do wonder if this is one of the things of we'll lose him. We'll, we'll lose him physically if he isn't working towards playing in the outfield. And doesn't that make a little more sense when you think about how Aloy himself has put it when he says his, and it shouldn't be this way, but that his his defense does help his offense? That would make sense if it was really referring to conditioning. His his defense, and I mean, the sample size from last year is really small. It's like 50 games at DH and 30 games at, at left field. His offensive numbers were better when he played left field. My whole thing is, it's not worth the risk. Like, it's it's not. It's just not worth the risk of not having his bat. And there's so many things with this year's White Sox team where you're going to have to find career years and winning in the margin. The one thing I know that I am, that I am certain about when it comes to, to White Sox baseball is that he can hit. And I can't risk him not being available for the White Sox, considering because they got he ran guys into the wall or he hit his right. head on the foul pole or right. he's stuck I, in the net. I agree with everything here. And maybe there's a way to say to him, hey, you're going to get time in the outfield. He, he did specify, he said more time in the outfield than DH. But I think there's a way to say, hey, based on a schedule, based on day-night games, based on all of this, you're going to see time there. Right, Sunday afternoon lineups, like that sort of thing. But in but the way that he phrased it, yes. him talking about it like DH is a non-starter, I, I, I just don't think that that's going to be something that the that the White Sox are going to be able to easily deal with. See, I would take his gloves, but if someone who knows him and someone is telling me, "Hey, you do that," he's going to get fat. And he's and and it, he's going to be less effective, and he's going to end up with hamstring injuries right. because he already, he's, he's not a, in shape. He's not shape. And that's that was what happened to him last year was hamstring. I don't know if it was because of shape or just how that season played out, but it does make a lot more sense when you hear him talk about why they'd be connected. Like maybe he needs to just run more. He likes to run, and he's twenty six, so I understand him being like, "Look, man, I can still get better." And Jose Abreu got better at playing first base. You know, there were people that were talking about moving him to DH. He got better at playing the position. It's just right now, like, I I don't even care about long-term. The White Sox shouldn't care about long-term. If they really do think that the the window 
for winning is a jar. What's the best thing for the 2023 White Sox? And the best thing is that Aloy plays DH. That he's the primary DH, and I'm totally okay with. Look, Benatendi's going to need some days off. Mm-hmm. There are going to be some rough trips for us across the country, especially with the new schedule and the way that it's set. So yeah, th- there might be a, be a, a Monday game where you end up in the lineup because we played a Sunday night game on the West Coast. I'm just, I haven't looked at the schedule, but I'm just spitballing here. There are ways to get him opportunities without telling him that he's going to be an outfielder. And Dan's exactly right. There's no way in the world that I have him playing right field unless there's been some sort of terrible tragedy that has happened inside of a game and you are stuck and you're like, before people start throwing up before the game and it's like, we're out of outfielders. Eloy, you got to go play and right. You played a first baseman right all year last year and you paid the price for it. You really, you played you 100% two of them. Did. You played yes. two of them yeah. in right field and paid the price for it. We have high noon when we come back and I have an ominous sign for Clark the Cub. Is he getting pants? I don't wear pants. They're overrated. I mean, I wore them yesterday. Uh, have you guys? Maybe those particular pants are overrated. <laughs> I didn't see guys... the latest pants rankings. Oh, you're no, number, I love you, You're I love number one in pants. everything. So anytime a list comes out, you're always number one. So I'm sure that you'd be number one on yesterday's pants rankings. Stop it. No, I wouldn't. And and have you have you guys talked about the mysterious signal we're receiving? We're receiving a we signal? How, really? You haven't talked about this yet? No. Oh, man. Okay. Are we not aware? Are we in trouble? Are we part of the Borg or something? The GERM system is down? Yep, that's another email. (laughs) We all have it. We should probably know about this. All right, well, good. I'm looking to learn. I, um, Layla, there's a birthday that we missed a couple days ago. Oh, no. We're going to celebrate it, though. Next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I'll be back this way on Monday. We'll settle this then. Right there, out in the street, in front of the Palace Saloon. Yeah, right. When? High noon. Time for high noon. And look, we actually left ourselves a reasonable amount of time for it, too, which is extremely rare. Oh, you just cursed it for next week. But we talked, Bulls, we talked uh, animatedly about the White Sox ongoing missteps and their legacy of missteps when it comes to vetting so many people who are in or are entering their organization. And we will continue to talk about that throughout the show today. We will, because whatever happens, somehow, however you have to lawyer it, the White Sox can't keep hiding from this. Mike Clevenger should not be on the White Sox. And if it turns out that whatever happens with the investigation, you figure it out then. But for now, as far as we know, the White Sox really don't care that he is currently a a, a White Sox who remains in good standing on their team when this is a guy who has been accused now by multiple people of spousal and partner abuse and abusing a baby. We also talked to Mike Florio and talked more about uh, what Ozzy said about Aloy Jimenez. 
Tommy. Can we start with the scary stuff? I want to start with the scary stuff. Yeah, I want to know the stuff that we don't know. Okay, first of all, did we figure out who is Goran Dragic in our pretend fight before the game last no, night we, tore and, us apart? And we should mention we also did talk about the Bulls, and we tried to figure out who was fitting what description of uh, Will Purdue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, why, why are we doing this? Why are we telling the universe where we are? Oh. We can't agree on anything. Why in the hell are we telling the universe? We can't team up. If they know how to find us, we're done. We can't figure out anything. We can't agree on words for snow. As a society, we're not going to make it. Radio signal, 9 billion light years away. What it means and where it came from. Why are you doing this? Why are you trying to find this? We can't save ourselves from things on Earth. A radio signal nearly 9 billion light years away from Earth was captured in a new recording detected by India's giant metro wave, meter wave, depending on your spelling, t- radio telescope. And I realized that if that you've seen that, you're essentially looking in the past because of how light travels at 186,282 miles per second. However, have you not read us about us? Do you really think it's a good idea that if there is a radio, radio wave signal coming from somewhere else that we stand a chance? I say no. I also know I'm dying first in a zombie apocalypse. Are we sure it's not Grobber from oh, the beyond? That, that would he, be wonderful. I still think it's Fernwood show. tonight. Yes. Yeah, it, yeah. Well, his, we, we know where to look to triangu- triangulate his show, though. Pluto. Well, maybe that's just part of it. Maybe, it's a maybe, planet to me. I, it's, it's possible that this might just be like Phantom Zone Grobber. Last July at Astronaut, and I remember hearing about this last July and also being scared. Can you imagine, like, Phantom Zone Grobber is, like, super neat and well-dressed? I was there. It wouldn't surprise me if Grobber was the one who saved us from all of this. That would make a lot of sense. Last July, astronomers at MIT and other universities in the U.S. and Canada detected a persistent signal from a distant galaxy of unknown astrophysical origin. And in 2020s, if we didn't have another enough junk going on then, a mysterious signal from Proxima Centauri made waves. Weren't we seriously beaming Fernwood tonight to Alpha Centauri or something? I wanted to. Which is actually a great call to pick something if we are going to beam it out there. but this is, you guys have never what seen the movie. What if they like it? They want to see con- more. And then contact? we're like, we got nothing. Never no, I don't jo- watch that Jody, crap. Jody Foster. Because I yeah. know better. That movie sucked. Where I wanted to be an astronaut. The- no. Matthew McConaughey is just so annoying in that movie. He is, but he's perfect as a Southern preacher. I know, but he's always wearing a scarf and he's so smarmy. Like, well, well how, how, how do you describe or tell someone who you love? I mean, what the hell are you talking about? Get out of my face, <laughs> goober. Wasn't he also in another really long <laughs> and I, space movie? And I like Interstellar him. or something? Yeah, and I generally like him. I just didn't like his character in that movie. And, you know, the government's been trying to tell us... They've been they've been Friday news dumping the whole there are aliens for yeah, a while. They now. sure have. They and we're been just like, like cool, whatever. We can't agree on anything. Isn't that the only thing that we're will, fighting about candy now? That's the only thing that'll bring us all together, right? Is no, someone from up no. there? A hundred percent no. No, like Robbers our only chance. Are are we so fractured that not even an Independence Day type thing would galvanize us Hell as a okay. no. The real movie is so much worse than the, the actual movie. Out. Half the people would say it's fake. 
Yep. And then and then other people would go on the air and say that, that these are should be our real leaders and all, all we should have been going along with them all the time. We're making up problems over candy for Come God's on. sake. And this is important to note that it's the equivalent of looking back in time 8.8 billion years. I just don't care. If something else is out there and the odds say that there are something there is something out there. Why did she just do the fugitive? I don't care. Because she is. She slipped into her Texas it, accent. It really. Yeah, you know what's going to happen when we're fearing for our lives from other things from outside space. Yes, I don't. I'm not going to maintain broadcast voice. I pretty much don't maintain it now. And be like, listen, y'all, we done did this to ourselves. Why? Why did you want to contact people you should have contacted? It it's like back some of you chairs, who are afraid of, spittoon, gro- of going through shotgun. your like. <laughs> If you're afraid of going through your significant other's phone, you're going to find something that you don't want to find. Yeah, I would tell you that. I mean, I, I, we got. I, I, there's a story <laughs> with me and, and Herb Howard and Jason Leisure where we ended up at, at this restaurant in Hyde Park, and there was this very fetching waitress server who was there, and she she took Herb's phone. And showed how she knew exactly where he was throughout the day. And I was like, are you a secret agent? And she was like, no, I'm getting ready to start a sex club. Anyway, at some point, I'll tell you the whole story about that. on a sex farm. (laughs) (laughs) How successful is it, though, if you have to tell people about it? You know... Anyway, I'll tell you the whole story. It's pretty funny and very First interesting. First rule of sex club, don't talk don't, about, don't sex, talk about club. sex club. We missed a very important birthday two days ago, Layla Rahimi. You want to know why? I feel guilty. Because Jeffrey Allen Towns turned 58 years old. You may know him as DJ Jazzy Jeff. Oh, Terry Hunter played a birthday show. It was live on the gram. See, that's what I'm talking about. And while there are all sorts of incredible pieces of production that I could show you, including like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air song or their first three albums or anything that Will did musically after that or all the cool stuff that uh, Jazzy Jeff has done with Rhymefest or pretty much his complete awesomeness overall, I chose this. Yo, this is Jazzy Jeff. And how did I get my starter hat to look like this? The Jazzy Jeff breakdown. First you grab the hat. Then you grip the hat. Make sure it's a starter hat. Then you raise the hat. Then you slam the hat. Then you twist the hat. Then you turn the hat. Then you spin the hat. Then you smooth the hat. But hey, don't forget, look for the star. That's right. You know- Jazzy Jeff was telling us how to get that, that, that nice, good rounding of the bill. Before all the flat ribs came around. You know who he's cheering for this weekend. Yes. His, uh, after they won the Super Bowl, Eagles. His, his fly Eagles fly mix, even if you don't like Philadelphia, I think it's like 20 minutes. It is money in the bank. It's so good. I got to watch the uh, the show because it was on while I was at work. But happy birthday to the best DJ on the planet who I'm not related to. This is from the Twitter feed official of A&W Root Beer. And no, Layla, it's not for loco, and I, I don't know your relationship with the A and W brand. I like, I like it. All they said was, "America, let's talk." Since 1963, Rudy 
the Great Root Bear. I saw this! Has been our beloved spokesbear. And I didn't know that it was... I mean, it sounds like Rudy, but it's Rooty. Which yeah, because a root which, beer. But yeah, but it's also a bit suggestive in and of itself. Like, you wouldn't... An Australian company, for example, would not name their mascot Rudy. Would they name it Rudy Tootie? No. Fresh and fruity? <laughs> no. It's they, back for a limited time. They wouldn't. They said, we know people would notice because he's literally a six-foot-tall bear wearing an orange sweater. But now we get it. Even a mascot's lack of pants can be polarizing. <laughs> Therefore, we have decided that Rudy will wear jeans going forward. Not to worry, though. He'll remain our official spokesbear. After all, he is unbearably cute. Oh, I see what they did there. And impossible to replace. That's enough. We are confident Rudy will continue to champion good food and good times for many years to come. Now in denim. Big Pants is taking over. The fear of pantsless mascots. Man, li- live your truth. Let the mascots roam free without pants. They're not dangling anything in front of you. They're not waving anything around menacingly. I despite what happens on Twitter. wearing pants. Just entire months. Free Rudy. You know what I mean. Do you know that Tony Gill only drinks root beer? So he jokes about how when we go places that they have to have the finest root beer. I don't, I don't drink a lot of root beer, but I love the hard candy root beer barrels. I while Adore I was them. while I was in Phoenix, uh, there's a place called Wilderness Brewing. It's got this great like outdoor place in um, in downtown Phoenix. They have organic root beer, and so I sent a picture to Tony. I was like, "We have found the finest of root beers." Has he had the real sassafras root sarsaparilla? Damn. Like I mean, the Damn. Stewart's is excellent too. It's Tony. No. Okay. So, I mean, there's like... He's had A&W and a two-liter. That's what he's had. All right, because... He's had Barks. That's what... That's what Tony's had Sparks in his good, life. But if he really, Sprecher. I don't even know. Sprecher even know. root beer was wonderful. Sprecher is amazing. Like I do think it's the best root beer. When I want to treat myself, their treat their cream soda mm-hmm. is fabulous. For real? Mm-hmm. Yes. I still have some. It's so good. But I'll bring it. Their low calorie root beer is wonderful. Their Dreamsicle. Has, has Tony had it? I don't think so, but maybe because he really does only drink root beer. Sprecher's pretty pretty bomb. He did have an experience, though. What happened? He was. What happened? He, his wife takes him to like this fancy party, and they have. There's a clear liquid on the table. Tony thinks it's water. <gasps> down the whole thing. Yeah. Tony had alcohol. Yeah. What happened next? I I I don't think anything happened, but. How did it know? Yeah. So- we we were just sitting there going, at some point, didn't you go, that water tastes funny? That, that's like when Zoe was four, and we looked over, what's the matter? Nana's water tastes funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's great. I mean, it's not great, True but story. it's great. True story, yep. That's one of those prayer moments where you can't laugh, and, and but I, you're laughing. And I told, and I, and I, and I mentioned it to her again because her college roommate at one point sent us a picture, and it said, "Look, it just it was, said, hey, look, where they were studying for finals. This is last year, and they said, look at your daughter, look how hard she's studying for finals. She's there, there's open books around her, sitting in front of her computer, and on the desk is an open, like uncapped." 
half-empty handle of Tito's. Let's go. <laughs> so I, I, t- I sent back. I sent the picture again, like a message to Zoe, and I said, How, "How's that's a lot of Nana's water you got there?" <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Not a secret water yeah, has made it to the door. Yeah, so somebody, somebody found you a big old two liter of not a water. All right. <laughs> have fun with finals. Oh. Wee! <laughs> yep. I'm I'm so sad we have to make this left turn back to serious town, but considering the seriousness of the allegations, we do. We will talk about the White Sox and Mike Clevenger coming up next here on the score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay. Plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.